0: Okay, let's start with the Novakar Mantra. Om Namo Arihantanam Om Namo Sitanam Om Namo ayadianam. Om Namo Vajayanam Namo Lave Savasahunam Esopanchanamokaro Savapavapanasano Mangala sure, so, so. Thank you everyone for coming this week. So, as we know, human life is a very brief opportunity for nirjara, which is the burning of karma. And to supercharge your nirjara requires right knowledge, Right Belief, and Right Action, or Samyat Nyan, Samyat and Samyat Jarita. So based on how Dad's class has been going, I think many of us have the right knowledge. And I think most of us do the right action, but probably not enough of it. So I think where most of us actually come really short is the right belief. And I'll let you guys in on a little secret. There is a back door to moksha. You can get to Siddhasila without doing a lot of work. You just have to have one belief where, if I could convince you of that one belief, it would open up that back door for you. So, unfortunately, but not surprisingly, this is the one belief that's the hardest to accept. That is the belief that you are a soul. As we discussed many times previously, if you believe you are a soul, which most of you don't, your whole life will change. Uh, Once you believe you are a soul, you already know what you have to do. You would do as much neergera as possible in the brief time you have as a human being. You would remove as much dirt from that mountain as you could in your life to get a peek at the real you hidden underneath. So, in an effort to strengthen our belief, let's address some of the criticisms of Jainism. How this is going to work is, I'm going to give you the argument, and I want you to tell me the answer. And I want you to keep in mind the things we learned before, specifically, all strengths are weaknesses, and all weaknesses are strengths. So, uh, let's get right into it. First argument. As we just learned in our mini-series about anger, ego, deceit, and greed, passions are our enemy. To be a Jane means to conquer them. But what it really does is make you an emotionless robot. By denying your emotions, you're denying a part of yourself, the biggest part of yourself. And if you keep your emotions bottled up, they'll explode in a big way down the line. It's just unhealthy. For you and the people around you. Being emotionless will make you a bad husband, a bad father, and a bad person. Thank you to everybody who just joined. Today we're addressing the criticisms of Jainism. I've got the easy job because I'm asking you the questions. You've got the hard job because you're answering them.
1: Your question a different way, a little bit, maybe?
0: Sure. If passions are our enemy and you decide to conquer them, you are doing something extremely unhealthy for you and the people around you. You don't want to be an emotionless robot, you don't want to deny that part of yourself.
1: Thing because people around you so, so basically being emotionless is more about believing that you are you have you are a soul right and and just think about how you do the nature about your soul and not worry about some of the you know uh, things around us uh, that relates to others so if you become emotionless well people will feel like you don't appreciate things in the surrounding the the relationship and things like that right you are
0: uh, I know so why bother Jain why bother with jainism
1: uh, well but th- those are two different paths right what what we are doing here is is just for uh, so called this life and and when we think about soul that's more of a long term uh for lack of better word, solution, right, in terms of uh, this is just, this life is just one step in the journey. And and you are spending that time with the people, but only for this step, on this step. Uh, so,
0: so who yeah. cares about your family then? Sorry? So who cares about your family then?
1: <laughs> well, I guess... I mean, again, same thing, right? It's so difficult in, in the situation we are that, uh, like, like Mara Sahib, they take Diksha mm-hmm. and, and they think about themselves and they left. I'm sure when they left, there are people around them who, f- who were sad, right? Because uh, they had certain connection and the person who is taking Diksha, he or she was able to break those connections, and, and that's what we are saying, right? Then who takes care of those people who are attached to this person? And it's, it's yeah, someone may look at it as if you are being selfish, but, uh, but I guess that's the difference, right? Uh, because that other person is not understanding that what this person is doing is for his or her soul and we all should be doing that. So it's a tough question uh, because the reality the real reality of Jainism is slightly different than the reality that we perceive. So.
0: And what kind of example are you setting for your kids by being an emotionless robot?
1: Yeah, they may not like it. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough question.
0: All right, so this argument appeals, is appeals to humanity, right? And appealing to humanity is very in vogue right now because nobody wants their feelings hurt. But remember, you're not human. So an appeal to humanity shouldn't work because as you, as you mentioned, you're a soul. Your body is human and you are not your body. What people are calling emotionless is actually serenity. There's no suppression of emotions. Rather, there's just no action on those emotions and only the observation of those emotions that pass through your body because emotion has nothing to do with you. Right. And you're setting quite a good example for your children that you don't let emotions control you. And um, it is not it is not a bottling up of emotions that explode down the line. In fact, you're releasing your emotions right then. So, remember, when somebody tries to make an appeal to humanity in an effort to discredit Jainism, uh, remember, you're not human, right? So here's another one. Here's another argument for you. This karma theory is too complicated to be true. There can't be particles floating around everywhere, like the ether, And attached to our souls based on everything we do. And those particles, if there were, they couldn't read our mind and attach more intensely the more passionately, passionately we do something, and less intensely when we have less passion in our mental state. And how can there only be eight types of karma? I don't get it. How can a universe of possibilities of action be categorized in only eight types of karma? Shouldn't there be one type of karma for each action? And what about on other planets where there's no life? Is free karma just floating around there on Neptune waiting for life to, just so it can attach itself to any life that occurs? It just doesn't make any sense. I think it goes back to belief. Okay.
1: Yeah, someone may not agree and hence they would criticize, but I don't know what would be a good answer if they don't believe in Jainism uh, and the principles, why one karma versus different subcategories and things like that.
2: You know, Tim. Uh, there was a earlier uh, dad's class that we had about certain things that we have to believe in versus certain things that uh, you know are uh, maybe uh, logically fit, you know, into the scheme of things. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that the the karma part is a combination of both of that because the way it's laid out, it allows you to believe in it and then have a path for it, you know? And so, um, I was just thinking about that one class that we had where you were talking about, you know, uh, the shadows and, you know, if you see a shadow of someone, you know, in the cave, like, you know, is that really a shadow or not? Right.
1: You
0: right.
2: Oh, uh, and that, that kind of concept. That right. Concept. Defends my, uh, my actions
0: to you at this point. Certainly that's one thing. A lot of, a lot of religions have a few items you take on faith, but remember you can test the karma theory in your life to see if it's true. I've done it because a majority of, remember we learned about some karma comes to fruition in one or two hours, some in days or weeks and some in lifetimes. So, you can analyze the events of your life and draw lines between actions and consequences that seemingly have nothing to do with each other as evidence of karma theory. I've done it, and I encourage you to do it. When things happen that are out of the ordinary, try to think about what could have caused that. And a universe filled with karma is no more complicated than a universe filled with atoms so let's just take a look at the earth including the air and the atmosphere around the earth it's just if you consider it from the point of view of only atoms it's just a big ball of atoms we only feel like air is space because we are so grounded in our senses that we can't figure it out figure it out make the world make sense any other way but if you just look at everything around you, including the things you can't see between you and what you can see, it's all atoms. It's just one big giant ball of atoms that's kind of the thing the atoms are moving around in it. So a universe made up of karma is no different from that. Also, there seems to be a finite amount of naturally occurring elements, which everything is made out of based on the different ratios of how those elements combine, right? So same thing. Karma is also attaches to your soul in ratios. You don't do one action and get one type of karma. You do one action with one intensity and get a mix of type of karmas. And so all actions can be accounted for with only eight types. It's a bit like asking, well, why are there only four fundamental forces in the universe? There's only four. Okay, There's gravity, the weak nuclear force the strong nuclear force, and electromagnetism. This explains all the physics in the universe as we know it. It's a bit like asking, well why aren't there five? Or why aren't there three? Well, we're just describing what we found in nature. There very well could have been five based on the initial setup of the universe, and if there were five, we'd just say five. And you'd be asking, well, why aren't there six? Or why aren't there four? So if I tell you there's eight types of karma, it's just we're describing what is in nature. It's not if you say, well, why aren't there ten types or one million types? Well, there could be. We're just describing what we found in nature and there are eight. Okay, so... Put your thinking caps on, get your, unmute yourself. If you don't want to unmute yourself, unmute yourself. And um, let's go to the next one. Why is there so much emphasis on food? All I hear about is vegetarianism and veganism and onions and potatoes. People celebrate fasting for as long as possible in Jainism, and that is extremely unhealthy. Humans are designed to be omnivores. The shape of your head and your jaw is designed to be omnivore. Jainism seems to be about food more than anything. Why is Jainism so obsessed with food?
2: I think you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so... um, If you've ever fasted, the 24 hours or the time... uh, The time that you fasted Your mind may only think of food or what you will have after the fast ends. And the ability to have that willpower allows you to really focus your mind on something else besides that while you're doing it. So there are probably more times that you think about, hey, what am I going to have for lunch? I mean, the first thing we do is we wake up and wake up your kids and what do you do? You make their lunch, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But it's breakfast, right? mm-hmm. You know, we're already like- you know, Two steps ahead. <laughs> two steps ahead. <laughs> yeah, right, you know? And the next conversation you have maybe with your spouse is, hey, what's for dinner? Like, do we have everything for dinner? So we get groceries or whatever you need, right? But our life revolves around that and if we took that piece out of our life and use that that energy to do something else, it would be like 30% of our day comes back to us, you know, <laughs> a very big, big part. I don't even know if I'm making any sense anymore, but...
0: No, that's great. Um, you want to reserve your mental energy for the things that matter, and food is not one of them.
2: But I, I definitely do think Jainism is is all about food, though. <laughs> I, I definitely do think there's some some oh, solace to that.
0: And what about having your children fast? That's extremely unhealthy. Shouldn't I call the cops on you guys? Do you guys have your children fast for a week?
2: The fact that they can do it for a week? Man, power to that, man. <laughs> You know? <laughs> uh, once again, I would go back to saying that whether you're an adult, you're a senior, you're a child, um, but if you have the willpower to do it, you're embracing that willpower and creating more time for your mind to think about other things besides food.
0: But at the expense of your children's health?
2: Well, I don't think it's uh, at the expense of someone's health. I mean, like, it's one thing if you're taking some, I mean, if someone's taking some medicine and then they try to fast, I'm not sure I'm with that. Oh, isn't is worth for their health I got that part but I don't think that has to do specifically with you know someone that is healthy you know
0: being vegetarianism is definitely unhealthy because our bodies were designed to eat meat the shape of our teeth are is proof enough that we evolved to eat meat
2: so what's the question
0: Why are you vegetarian when it's so unhealthy and when it goes against everything that millions of years of evolution have perfected?
2: I think that, uh, you know, eating meat, uh, you can probably get the same nutritional content by eating something else from a a factual point. And that's why vegetarianism is, is taking off, not only in this country, but all over. I mean, think about it, when we were young, right? We could only go to Burger King or McDonald's and order fries, right? Now you can actually get a veggie burger Though, If you went to, you know, one of those places and said, I want a veggie burger, they laugh at you, right?
1: You know, I mean,
2: <laughs> you know, the world is changing because of it, you know, and there's a reason, you know, um, to go do that. And the fact that, you know, we may have been designed to go do one thing doesn't mean that that's the right thing to go do. I hey think... so else help me out here. I'm just like fighting the fight here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, the reason other people focus on or consider Jainism as maybe the religion of food is because it's only the most outward manifestation that they see of Jainism as we interact with people of different faiths. And so, it's what they focus on. Um, if there, if I, if I, I think if I were to say Jainism would be about one thing, it would be about ahimsa or samvar, and it's true that all of the battles we go through are internal, and so whatever is external is what people focus on and think what Jainism is all about. Um, I don't think that Jainism is the religion of food, but definitely if I didn't, I would love to not have to worry about food every day. I could concentrate on so many other things. I would love to. Um, not, I would just love to have it ready, you know, have, yeah. I don't have to worry about it. I just made it during one day of the week and I have all of my meals ready for all of the week and I don't have to decide anything. I don't have to do anything. I already picked out what's good and how many calories it gives me or what's nutritious and I would be done with it. Uh, I would love that myself personally. Okay. So let's move on to the next one. You can one. do
2: that, Tim. You can do that. <laughs> yeah. To make
0: it yeah. Okay, so Anikanthvad can't be true. Every religion can't be right. And some things are in direct opposition to each other. They can't both be true. Even Jainism says there's Samyatnyan, or right knowledge. So having a multiplicity of viewpoints on right knowledge just doesn't make any sense at all. against again, I'm sorry. Anikantvad, which, as we know, is the doctrine of multiplicity of viewpoints. And the doctrine states that we all have limited knowledge. And in fact, we... In fact, everybody's right. Even other religions have a piece of true knowledge. But it can't be true, because... Other religions say things that are in direct opposition to each other, and we're calling them both correct. Even Jainism says that there is a right knowledge and a wrong knowledge. So how can the doctrine of Anikamfat be true? Well, seemingly opposite viewpoints can be true depending upon your frame of reference. And the best example I can give you is that I have different advice to give and many times the exact opposite advice to give based upon where you are on your spiritual path. When I'm talking to my children, I say, do as much punya as you can. And when I'm talking to someone who's got ridden of all of their pa, I'd say, do as little punya as you can. To my children, I tell them, hey, stop doing nothing. But to someone who is a very advanced jain, I would say, that's amazing, all the nothing you can do. Keep on doing nothing. Keep on practicing samur. So these are opposing statements that are both true. And remember, as we learned a couple classes ago, the truth is not facts. The I can tell my kids to do as much punya as you can, and that's true. That's the truth. Because I am that's the best advice for them. And that is the best way to go for them to continue their going on their spiritual path. That's true. It's not a fact. The fact is we want to limit all of our pop and all of our punya. But for them, for me telling them to do that, that's the truth. Okay, I'll mark that one as a, as a win column for me. Let's move on to the next one. If Jainism is about non-attachment, why are there wealthy Jains? If Jainism is about non-violence, why do you kill plants to eat and kill flowers to lay them before an idol? If Jainism is about celibacy, how on earth has Jainism not died off yet? If all Jains were perfect Jains, no one would even have heard of Jainism because they would all be dead without children. What kind of religion is that? That is, why are Jains so hypocritical?
2: Okay, so you eat plants because... um Because they have the least amount of senses out of all the other things that you could eat. Right. Um, And I would say the flower would be the same concept uh, for offering that. Um,
0: You don't have to make an offer to an idol. You don't have to kill... I understand you have to kill something to eat. Okay, I'll give you that one. You don't have to kill something to make an offering to an idol.
2: Uh, that's, that's, that's fair. But, you know, a lot of people bring fruit and other items as well, you know, uh, and that would be the same thing for that, you know. Um.
0: So what's going on with these wealthy Janes? Why is there such a thing as a wealthy Jane? well
2: wealth is you think they're wealthy <laughs> Wealth yeah. the-
0: isn't that the problem wealthy people don't think they're wealthy
2: <laughs> I don't know are you talking about facts is that a fact is that what you're telling me
0: <laughs> yes I'm telling you that there are wealthy Jains and why if Jainism is about non-attachment why are there wealthy Jains
2: I think that, well, so the wealthy Jains are there because they have a, you know, they have a way to create wealth and they've created wealth and that has nothing to do with Jainism per se. I mean, they're giving, they're giving their wealth. Most of them give their wealth to some kind of Jain cause and or other nonprofit cause, right? But
0: the fact that they're wealthy tells me they are not giving their wealth.
2: Well, they just become more wealthy because by giving it, it's a, it's it's like the, the, the karma that comes back to you, you know.
0: <laughs> okay, let's talk about money. Right, the fact that they have a lot of money tells me that they are not giving their money away.
2: So can you? So okay. So should we tell them they're... They shouldn't be Jain anymore? Is that what
0: we should do? No, oh, I'm telling I'm telling I'm telling them that they're hypocritical. Okay. And what kind of religion where if everyone practiced it perfectly, it would die? What kind of religion is that? If everyone gave all of their wealth away, if everyone was celibate, if everyone had non-attachment, if everyone gave all of their things away, nobody would have kids. Nobody would be Jane.
2: But you would be a a, a sattva or a sadhu, right?
0: Yeah, okay. And then once that generation died, there would be no more Janes. I think uh, what we're missing here is remember Jainism is describing nature. It has zero to do with propagating itself. If all Jains died out, that doesn't mean there would be no Jainism because Jainism is just the truth, right? So we know Jainism will die out and we know that there will be the next Tirthankar. Uh, The number one, as we do the cycle again, that will will see the truth, see the underpinnings of the universe, and tell that to people. And that will be Jainism. So remember, when somebody tries to criticize the religion, remember it's just nature. Who cares if Jainism dies out? People don't know about Jainism. They will know because it's simply the truth, and you can just observe it by looking around you. Alright, last one. Most important one. What evidence is there that souls exist? All of Jainism is about souls. Yet Mahavir provided no proof that they exist, because he couldn't. It's very convenient that souls are invisible and can change shape depending upon the body that they inhabit. A soul can inhabit an ant or a microscopic being, and a a soul can inhabit an elephant. It's a little bit too convenient that there's no falsification possible of a soul, and that is the bedrock upon which Jainism exists. Okay, so a lot of uh, uncomfortable pauses, right? People don't like me criticizing their religion. But it's important to live an examined life. It's important to understand why you believe the things that you do. And it's maybe a little bit less important to be able to respond to people who ask you those questions. You're probably never going to meet anybody in your life that knows enough about jainism to ask you really pointed questions about it they'll just ask you you know a a person that knows enough about jainism is already a believer right so they're never going to question you the questions you're going to get in your life are extremely basic um but these aren't okay because i know enough about jainism to make you feel bad about not knowing these answers So I'll give you three pieces of evidence that souls exist, okay? The hard problem of consciousness is evidence that souls exist. Does anybody know what the hard problem of consciousness is? The hard problem of consciousness is how does experience arise out of non sentient matter? That is, our bodies are just made up of particles, right? And individually, they would be nothing. They would, we wouldn't say that they're sentient. But even our brain, we don't understand how experience arises out of the atoms of our brain. And the evidence that souls exist is that we haven't solved the hard problem of consciousness yet. The second piece of evidence is that there's a difference between awareness and thinking. The difference between aware, that there's a difference between awareness and thinking is evidence that souls exist. Can anybody describe to me why or what is the difference between awareness and thinking? So, thoughts arise in your brain without any origination by you. That is, remember, you are not your thoughts as we learned a while ago. And so, you are only the observer of your thoughts. If you sit still and examine the thoughts that flow across your brain, you will have eventually come upon the conclusion that you did not originate them. You only see them passing by. And so the thing that sees them passing by is the observer, which is your soul. And the thoughts themselves are originated by matter, which is your brain. So, And people have noted this phenomenon and it's well observed. So that's proof that That's evidence that souls exist. The last one is similarly the ability for meditators to tap into the blissful nature. When you meditate for a long time, you will tap into that feeling of peace, of bliss. But where does it come from? Well, we know that it's the nature of the soul. Okay? And so people reporting those observations is evidence that souls exist. All right, so questions or comments about any of those. We went through six of them. We went through being an emotionless robot, number one. Number two, karma theory is too complicated to be true. Number three, the emphasis on food. Number four, anekanthvad can't be true. Number five, the hypocrisy of wealthy janes of killing plants of uh, the breakdown of society if everyone was a perfect jane and number 6 the evidence that souls exist so questions or comments about any of that well done definitely thought-
2: oh, okay
1: yeah, I think you got us, make this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it was like a little pop quiz, right? Like, I didn't tell you to be ready to talk more than normal this time.
1: Even if you would have told us, I don't think you would have come back with good answers. <laughs> These are difficult questions. <laughs>
0: Okay. Well, thank you everybody for your time this week. I really appreciate that. And, and I hope that you got something out of this, uh, this little exercise. Obviously I didn't make, I didn't want to make anybody feel bad or anything like that. Um, but I hope that we understand the importance of a- examining why we believe what we believe. Awesome.
1: Thank
0: Thanks, you everybody. Thank
2: you. Bye. Yeah. Bye.